Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we're your co-hosts. And today, we're going to be covering Saturnalia, which is so super fun, uh, and cocktail potions. And what are you, what are, what are you talking about, Shannon? You know, I'm going to be talking about echinacea or purple coneflower, as it's commonly known. I had actually originally planned to do something else, but then echinacea just felt really right. And when I started digging in, I realized that echinacea sign is in Sagittarius. Um, which... we, we love we love a Sagittarius queen. So echinacea, Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, the list goes yeah. on. I mean, and our our solar eclipse in Sagittarius. So oh my, uh, what a what a goofy week. <laughs> what a week it has been. Um, but yeah, I want to kind of just like get right to it. Uh, surprise, surprise! This is yet another plant from the Asteraceae family. It's the Daisy family. I mean, this this thing is huge. Honestly, so many things that we use in herbalism come from here. But I just love that the common and the genus name of Echinacea both are derived from the Greek word echinops which means hedgehog (laughs) wow i know so in like when you're looking at a coneflower basically it's like the center of it that sort of like pops up has these like really stiff kind of like bristles on it and that's i mean that's why they call it a hedgehog it's like a little it's like a little curled up hedgehog I know, aren't they? They're so cute. So Echinacea, I mean, of course, it's in the Asteraceae family, which the more and more you listen to this, I think you'll start kind of getting a handle on what that means. I mean, it thrives in full to partial sun. It does need at least four hours of sunlight per day um, because it, you know, it natively grows like around the edges of the woods. So they really do well in spots that get like morning shade and afternoon sun or vice versa. So for me, I am growing some echinacea and I have mine on my front porch, which faces southeast. So it does get a lot of light early in the morning, but by later in the day, it's totally in the shade. Um, And it does tolerate kind of shitty soil, honestly. Um, It can grow in basically anything, but of course it hates wet feet. Just make sure it's really well draining. Um, If you've got a heavy hand, put it in some terracotta, you know, the (laughs) standard recommendations. Why why won't you let me love you? I know. Why won't you let me constantly pay attention to you? Um the the great thing too though about coneflowers if you're a home gardener that has like an actual gardening bed is that they're clumping plants. So one plant will get bigger, but it's not necessarily going to like overtake your garden like you have to worry about with things like bamboo and mint. It's really easy to sort of like manage it and the the uh eventual size kind of depends on the cultivar um but if you're looking at the most common ones the purple coneflower i think those usually get about 18 inches wide max and you know maybe between like two and three feet tall when they're blooming you're gonna want to like leave about a foot and a half between the plants and they do have sort of like deep tap roots. So you want to plant them where you want them. Um, Basically plants that have like really deep tap roots, they don't like to get moved around a lot. So this isn't something that I would suggest like starting inside and then moving outdoors, just like start it where you want it. And it's recommended to plant it in the spring or in the fall in well-drained soil, basically where you want it growing again in the end times, you know, it's like, you're going to want it to be in full depart sun when you're planting it. And it's super easy to grow from seed. They say that allegedly it requires a cold, moist period, um, which we call stratification. You might be familiar with that. Uh, Roses in particular are very, it's very important to have that stratification period if you're trying to grow a rose bush from seed. Um, But for what it's worth, I actually didn't do this with my seeds. And they look just fine. The plants are growing. Um, you do want to sow them kind of thickly because not every seed is going to take, especially if you're like me and you're lazy and you're not going through the stratification process. Um, so you, so, so your, your basic uh, method is like, just do a shit ton of them. Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to want to like pluck out anything that doesn't look super viable just because only the strong survive, only the strong survive. And because they do have those deep tap roots, I'm growing mine in a container. And I just like don't have a big enough container to have more than like three plants in one. Um, 
so you know you also want to like cover it lightly uh i think this is a really good thing to use um there's there's really great like vermiculite that you can buy that's specifically for like planting seedlings and that is like the perfect thing to cover the seeds with you can get it at like a lowe's for literally like four bucks a bag uh, because birds really like to eat the seeds so when you're like originally planting them you gotta like protect your babies so they're like mm, lunch i know Delicious. they're like mm, these little snacks uh the one downside to growing it from seed which i am like totally suffering through right now is that most plants won't bloom until the second year so rude i know so i've got these like great looking little echinacea babies but there's not going to be any flowers until probably next fall at this point um which you know it's fine it's worth the wait i'm growing my own to use for all of my herb my herbalism and my spells but God, it's a bummer. So you actually like can buy transplants at a lot of like local nurseries and stuff that come in like, you know, those nursery pots where you're not really like taking the soil off of it. You're just kind of like popping the whole thing of soil out with it and into wherever you're going to have it. So it's a little different than like, you know, trying to repot, like re trying to move seedlings that you started indoors. Um, So you can buy transplants if you want. If you want your flowers a little sooner. Um, I mean, you know, I think for all the fire signs out there and probably a lot of the air signs out there, like I would admit, you know, impatience is a thing. You can you yeah. just get a little transplant. Get a little transplant. Get, honestly, I think that it's really fun to grow some stuff from seed, but in particular with a lot of like herbs that are softer leafed things like basil or cilantro that I'm going to use so much of that I probably won't be able to keep the plant for long. I just buy the mature plant and plant it up in my like terracotta pots because I'm going to use so much of it that if I had to grow like cilantro from seed, I would have to like literally use every pot on my front porch for cilantro to have enough for me to actually like get through a summer. Oh my god. Did you uh Shannon, did you see my lemony potatoes I made the other day? Oh my god, I did. They look so good. Those had so much cilantro on them. Okay. I, moving on. I <laughs> love cilantro. Um so I think most people probably are familiar with echinacea from like teas that have it in there. It's like especially around cold and flu season and I know right at the beginning of like the whole COVID thing, echinacea teas were like going like hotcakes. Um but it works in kind of a cool way it's i think it's one of the most interesting things about echinacea is it has this ability to like devour invasive microorganisms um so basically like it literally engulfs them and eats them which is so this immune response is known as um phagocytosis and it's like one of the ways that echinacea actually helps like rid the body of illness which I just love this like idea of like this like strong little herb buddy getting in there and like enveloping this like bad bacteria and eating it. Eating it. It's like very Pac-Man. I, I, was, I adore I it. I was thinking more like a jellyfish, you know? It's like. Ooh, yeah. Like, takes it in and then it's just like. <laughs> just kind of like slurps it up. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, because of that, it's really good at like clearing up things like chronic infections. I mean. It's really good for colds and flus and respiratory infections. I mean, it also stimulates your immune system. So in addition to taking it like when you get sick, you can drink echinacea teas sort of as a preventative. And I do that a lot of times like late in the fall, early in the year, you know, or basically between like October and February, that time when everybody is like getting a little croupy. Like I like stave to have off the hay fever. Yeah, exactly. Because it does help with that inflammation, which, you know, some of the reason you get so sick, even if you don't have like a cold or flu, one of the things that can make you so sick with allergies is like the inflammation. And so echinacea can really help with that. So even if you are having some reaction, you know, it'll, it'll take the edge off. Um, and it's also really great in like, uh, sort of like external uses. So things like acne, eczema, um infections like on the skin and one of my 
way, one of the ways I saw that I think is the most interesting and I cannot wait until I have actual flowers on my echinacea is like if you're outside doing like your gardening stuff and you get like stung by a bug or like you come into contact with something that's like causing a rash, you know, if you're me, it's like you can... You can look at a plant and get a rash. You can actually make a spit poultice. And so what this basically means, it's like, it's kind of gross, but you're literally just going to like take off some of the petals and chew on them. And so you basically mix it up with your spit and then you take that out and you put it on the area that has the irritation and it helps heal it. I I actually really like that. You know, okay, this is a random like little, little side story. But uh, one time I got stung by a bee. And my dad did the same thing with chewing tobacco, which I've I've heard of that. Yeah, which sounds really gross, but like actually, OK, I have really bad luck and I've been stung by bees and wasps multiple times in my life. So thankfully, I'm not allergic. Oh, my but, God. Like, OK, Stephen King, by the way, Stephen King is like obsessed with like wasps, by the way, they appear in so many of his books. Continue. <laughs> uh um so yeah i've been stung by a lot of bees and wasps uh, and i you know don't really have like a huge reaction to it but like that little bit of uh tobacco a little chewing yeah. tobacco which no one has in their house i'm sure nobody listening to this is just like oh yeah i got i got my chewing tobacco yeah nobody has their chewing <laughs> tobacco that's a hot yeah. tip right there <laughs> I know it's like my papa when I was growing up always had like the white circle on the back of his blue jean pocket <laughs> mm-hmm. from where like the snuff <laughs> anyway. Um, well, if you are a smoker and you have an irritated throat, Echinacea can help you with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I really like making it into a tea and you can use the tea too for, you know, the different metaphysical stuff. Um, it is associated with the element of fire, of course, you know, being in with a Sagittarius sign. Um, and the chakra is the throat chakra, just for what it's worth, which I thought was interesting, especially with its like physical tide or respiratory health, because I know the chakras, you know, they do represent more of like a spiritual metaphysical thing in your body. But if you look at where the different chakras are located, there's also a lot of like really physical embodiments of those. Um, we should do like chakras on an episode because it is a lot to try and like sideline and get into Um, oh my god yeah yeah i'm like we can't just like just it's the throat chakra at some point we'll like have you come back and listen to this episode once we tell you what chakras are um (laughs) so it's really cool though because echinacea obviously has like so much intensive like support for like your health um but it also has like some really badass spiritual support so you know it's said to help with things like clearing mental and emotional blockages that might be holding you back, helping you access insights and courage and supporting your healing journey. Um, And of course, like healing, like we've said that the connection between mind and body is real. And so working on your emotional healing, you know, is just as important as your physical healing and vice versa. You know, it's like sometimes when you're doing physical healing, you find that you're un you're tapping into like emotions that have been trapped that you weren't aware of um Ooh, so I think, yeah 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 yeah. no that's yeah. very much like a thing yeah like when you get a really good massage and you start crying for no reason and you don't know what it is and it's like oh shit your body does hold on to stuff oh no it's like <laughs> it's like I've, I've been going to the gym this week and i was like definitely feeling that vibe uh because it's been so long since i went for a run and i was just like wow i have so much like pent up fucking stuff right now and i'm just like running it off it's amazing yeah it's so good and so you know an echinacea tea would be really good for you after that and you can add a few like echinacea petals to any spell that you're working on you know with it having this ability to sort of like clear mental blockages it's really good also for like helping sort of open those psychic channels in particular if you're doing like a type of spell where you really need to be like meditating on something and able to focus i think echinacea works really well that way um so if you're doing things you know around like healing maybe emotional healing but also things like abundance uh, in particular i'm thinking about if you're doing like manifestation work you know it's really important when you're doing like manifestation spells to maintain that focus especially like during the active phases of the spell and sometimes that's like the hardest part for me um 
I don't know if anybody out there is actually really able to sort of like sit still and focus for a really long time. I think that might be a myth. Um, but something like echinacea, you know, maybe having like an echinacea tea with you while you're doing that spell. Um, or again, you know, if you're doing like an incense blend, adding a few petals to your incense blend, you know, all of that just to really like support the work that you're doing. Uh, and also on that note, though, echinacea does have a lovely smell. It does. It smells really beautiful. Um, and it's also really great for pollinators. Like bees love it. It makes hummingbirds happy. Like the flowers are so bright and beautiful on the purple cone flower, which is always a good sign when the when the flowers are really bright like that. It's a good sign that they're good for daytime pollinators. Typically for things that are pollinated at night, you see more white flowers. So you're thinking about things like, you know, the wasps and bees that attack Nick are very good in love with echinacea <laughs> is that um, why, is that okay i think we're getting to the bottom of it though now it's like is that why you're planting this echinacea is so you can attract bees and have them attack me when i come over i mean maybe but i thought you were gonna say do you maybe have like a blue violet aura and that's what Ooh. the bees are attracted to i uh -huh. mean maybe maybe Mayhaps. maybe i'm just maybe i'm just a beautiful flower and Maybe you are just, just a beautiful flower. And I need you to look in the other direction and stop thinking about my dastardly plans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? I know that you're up to something. Be befriending I, bees? My yeah. natural enemy? Sus. Always. Very Save sus. The bees. Um, so today, of course, you know, Green Witchcraft by Paige Vanderbeck is like one of my go-tos. Uh, but also uh, holisticherbalist.com has some like great resources on herbalism. It's got like really good sort of overviews of things if you're really new to getting to know how to like incorporate plants into your health routines. Um, and then AmericanMeadows.com, which I love because like coneflower is also included in so many like wildflower seed packets that you can mm. find. So <laughs> AmericanMeadows.com covered it and it just like made my heart so happy. <laughs> we, we, we love that. Yeah, but it, it is this one's kind of short and sweet. But the reality is like there's a reason that echinacea seeds are often included in those like all-purpose like pollinator seed packets or like wildflower seed packets because they are genuinely really easy to grow you just need to make sure that you've got them in like the right kind of container it needs to be deep and then just kind of like leave it alone cover the seeds with vermiculite again protect them from you know the birds that want to eat them but they're pretty like pretty easy plants like you can kind of like set it and forget it um and then you know it has this like added benefit of like really amazing like health and magical properties once it's all said and done you know actually speaking of wildflower packets uh one of these days I, I i'm a full advocate of just like getting those and dumping them in places like yeah okay it's like okay ladybird johnson look at you over here you know it's just like wherever get some that's wildflower like seeds I realize that's like a real Texas deep cut. So for anybody who like might not know, Lady Bird <laughs> Johnson is the reason that like Texas highways are surrounded by wildflowers every year. That was like one of the things that she took on after LBJ was out of the White House. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it really is lovely. I mean, you know, if you have to, it's Texas is such a big state. Everywhere you drive, you're driving for like 30 or 40 hours even. Yeah. Um, so you have you have to have something nice to look at. Totally. And the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center that's um, in Austin is also really cool if you're around. So, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we love, we love, we love to take our grandma there. Yes, we <laughs> love wildflowers. Like Texas loves wildflowers. I mean, there's a reason that like pooping in blue bonnets is a joke. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, you know, check out my Instagram sometime. Uh, there's definitely a picture of me pooping on the blue bonnets if you ever want to know <laughs> what that what that means i feel like we shouldn't explain it any further nope okay so uh <laughs> before we move on to this top to my topic this week and what a coincidence really uh, my uncle from the country gaius has ridden his donkey down from the mountains and has a few words about saturnalia oh we have a special guest a special guest all right, so I wanted to talk about something that comes up this time every year that should make any good person with upstanding morals absolutely sick. 
I'm of course talking about the so-called Christian heathens perversions of one of our holiest festivals, the Saturnalia. So the <laughs> other day, I saw a neighbor of mine hanging up a lovely wreath of evergreens, and I wished them a happy Saturnalia, and they looked at me like I was crazy and said, happy holidays. Oh, you know, oh my God, the nerve of these people stealing our traditions and making them a secular winter festivity. Now, I've started a little hashtag for this, Shannon and Nick. So if any other good Jupiter-fearing Romans out there want to share in my outrage, that hashtag is going to be hashtag stop the steal. <laughs> what we have to fight against is a war on our beloved holiday. Keep Saturn and Saturnalia. Woo! <sighs> Thank you so much, uh, Uncle Gaius. I'll uh, see you around. Uh, you know, good luck with uh, riding your donkey back up into the mountains. Uh, right, what yeah. Passionate, what a passionate guy. I've, I've written down hashtag stop the steal, so I'll make sure that we include that on all of our stuff going <laughs> forward. <laughs> we, we really should be stopping the seal but uh you know seriously though uh this segment was meant to be an intro for saturn the deity and his namesake midwinter feasting festival but kooky uncle gaius is right uh so much of the christian christmas holiday is directly stolen from saturnalia celebrations that it's unconscionable not to mention it I mean, you have to wonder at this point, it's like, did Christians actually have any of their own holidays? No, I, at this point, I, it's, it's, it's looking like a no. It's, look, it's looking like a no from me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but first, some facts, both fun and otherwise. So Saturn was a major player in the Roman pantheon of gods, and his given domains were creation destruction, abundance, wealth, agriculture, renewal, and liberation, which is going to be an it's going to be a really important one later on. But can yeah. I just say that I love that he is he has dominion over both creation and destruction. And uh, he's also tied in with the Greek Titan which he may or may not be loosely based on, Cronus, who had dominion over matters of time and was the leader of the Titans until Zeus dethroned him, which is kind of similar to what happened with Jupiter and Saturn. And of course, Cronus was also famous for eating his own children. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I've got to I'm going to look up the name of this. There's a really fabulous painting that's very famous of Cronus eating his children. I'm loving that we're, you're like, so, you know, for some people out there that may not know, Shannon does have a considerable background uh, in art. Yeah, I work at a museum. So, OK, I found the painting. This painting is by Francisco Goya, and it's called Saturn Devouring His Son. And it's oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so amazing. it's like Cronus, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, these series of paintings just like, by the way, are totally worth looking up. It's from this series called like Black Paintings. And Goya actually painted them like on the walls in his house. Uh, basically, like after he died, they like transferred the paintings to canvas. But this like, the painting of Cronus devouring his son is is really truly like deeply disturbing and it has to be like the instagram picture when we announce this episode <laughs> oh my being God. up 100 uh, percent, i'm here for that um like and you also should text it to me now so oh, I, can, I am oh so yeah I can no i am um but okay so the romans refer to the time that saturn was running things as a golden age when the people of the land wanted for nothing and had abundant natural resources and very little drama with the clashes between gods and spirits with each other and with human beings, you know, it was, it was peace. It was peace and everything was great. And we had that for what, like five minutes? For like five minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Jupiter took over and, you know, we're, oh, my, oh my gosh. I'm just imagining trying to like 
eat dinner or something because i i can only imagine that this was in the dining room if it was painted on the wall like i don't oh, know yeah. why i hope that's true like that's just my feeling about it but uh yeah just like eating dinner like that in the background. <laughs> i mean that's why as soon as you said that i was like holy shit i have to like find this painting to talk about it because it is epic Okay, uh, but the f- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I gotta be I gotta be serious. It's Sagittarius season. I'm very goofy this week. <laughs> um, so the festivities though of the Saturnalia were meant to embody the essence of this golden age, which is why during this time, accepted rules of the new Roman society were essentially thrown out the window. And everything gets turned on its head. And so one of my favorite parts of Saturnalia that, one, I didn't know was based in the Saturnalia, but also I didn't know has made its way to some, like, Western European Christmas traditions, uh, is that they would reverse roles. So, like, if you had household servants, you would serve them a feast. And, or, you know, it's like, uh, they had this thing, it's the boy bishop. Uh, in France and some other parts of Western Europe, where they would kind of elect, you know, like a like a young boy from the village to be like the bishop of the church for the day. For oh my god, for Christmas. So who's calling Jeff Bezos for Saturnalia? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's like uh, so someone from the bottom gets put in charge basically, and they have this whole feast where like the masters serve the servants and uh, also you would have um one of the lower ranking members of course usually a child or maybe like a low ranking slave which was also probably a child i mean yeah. you know you kind of have to say it uh to be the lord of misrule uh who was going to like be the head of the house during this sort of topsy turvy everything's crazy time uh <laughs> Yeah, and I love that because so I get the annual uh, Llewellyn witches calendar that I hang on my wall uh, because I am a really classic witch. Um, sure, sure, and sure. <laughs> for December, it was really cool. One of the like the description on like the big header was a modern take on the Lord of Misrule game, and essentially you like pull cards out of your tarot deck. And you're going to, you know, just pull out a handful, depending on the number of people you have, and you're going to include the fool in it. And then everybody goes around and draws a card until someone gets the fool. And then the fool becomes the Lord of Misrule, and they get to make up the rules for the night. So some traditions of this actually have a cake, which one of my thing favorite things, uh, you know, kind of going into all of these different Yule traditions recently, is that they also kind of took this on is making a cake and hiding like a an almond or a dry bean or something to decide who the Lord of Misrule was. It's like very King's cake. And I think uh, I, w- I was reading in, in Sweden, I think they do, they have a traditional Christmas porridge, which Ugh. sounds sounds a little weird. Like uh, of all things, you're going to have a fucking porridge? I'm just kind of like looking the other way, but they hide an almond in it, so... Um, but so so you you decide however you decide the Lord of Misrule is, and then that person sort of makes a mockery of Roman polite society by being extra rude to guests and making the most ridiculous demands they can of their servants. And it wasn't just cheeky fun, but like instead, it was a direct homage to Saturn's very, very strong ties with free speech and freedom in general. And so they would honor him by letting any everyone speak up. And it was kind of this time when the slaves and the servants could really say their piece in a way. It sounds kind of like a libertarian's wet dream. It really is. And you know, <laughs> it was even the all the way up to the emperor would be celebrating this and they would make a big to do of it like oh. serving the feast of the Saturnalia to their own servants, you know? So it's, people really got into it. And I, I think that's really fun. Um, but so let's get kind of more on the thing that I wanted to talk about, which is a lot of the stolen stuff. So when people would be celebrating the Saturnalia, they would do this thing called synthesis where they would, um, instead of wearing their plain togas, would wear brightly colored stuff 
and like extra decorated, which was seen as tacky during any other time. But they sort of called them dinner clothes as well. And that I mean, but which kind of abstract, you're like, oh, colored togas, you know, what's that? But it's like ugly Christmas sweaters. Like you don't dress like that for work. No, it's just like it's like something that you would normally wear and then you turn it up to like 11. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't wear like, you know, like a metallic gold glittery anything usually. I mean, I I might, but you know, yeah, but, you I said, mean, but that's that's par for the course at a Christmas party. It's like I feel like we're a bad sampling to take here, but <laughs> um and so gambling also was considered legal during Saturnalia and frowned upon other times. And so the slaves and the masters would be betting on dice games against each other with fruits and nuts and coins, which, okay, I I don't know if you ever had anyone in your family that was like really, really about like old school Christmas where they would put like fruit and nuts in their stocking. Yeah, no, but I know people, I mean, we would, we would have oranges sometimes, which I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. is that, but nothing nothing more hardcore than like an orange. Sure, sure, sure. But so, you know, sometimes I had a I had a stepmom briefly who was like really into that. So, you know, it's like, but it is a traditional thing, fruit and nuts in a stocking, like really, really old school. Uh, but then also, you know, it's like lottery tickets are a stocking stuff or item that is a little more modern and still kind of goes with that. It's like, uh, oh, yeah. I remember like scratch, scratch offs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even as a kid, I would get scratch offs in my stocking. I don't know. It's pretty fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, but it's, it's a little, you know, stolen. It's a little stolen. It's kind of stolen. You know. I mean, it's a lot of stolen. It's a lot of stolen. Okay, but okay. So the nineteenth of December was important. It was the uh, sigillaria or the gift giving day, uh, and the gifts here meant to be cheap. So like dice writing tablets, things like that, or funny, which the funniest example I found was um, a book of poems by the worst poet of all time. Oh, man. As like a gift that you would give someone, uh, maybe because they like poetry and you get them the worst book of poems that you can find. Uh, And so there was also, speaking of poetry, there's a whole book of Roman poetry that's just meant to be sort of inscriptions for Saturnalia gifts. Like funny things to put, like a greeting card. I love that. It kind of reminds me of like when you're going to like a good white elephant Mm -hmm. and people get like joke gifts because like those are the best, those are the best white elephants. Like when people aren't too serious about it, Mm -hmm. you know, like a, like a funny party wig or I don't, you know, I've been to, I've been to a white elephant where it was like mixed though. And then it was just like, everyone wanted the good gifts. And then, you know, the gag gifts were kind of like dumped on people and i was like you don't want to do that everyone's got any (laughs) now we're getting into like party etiquette and that's a different topic (laughs) um so we've got presents we've got greeting cards and surprise surprise those are both huge elements of christmas but uh what about wreaths and garlands could anything be more christmas i don't think so that's what they did to celebrate Saturnalia. Jesus. <laughs> and also an emphasis on evergreens because they represent surviving the winter, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, come on. It's like it's the same shit. Yeah. They stole it. They stole the holiday. It's like a copy and paste. They didn't even Hash, like put a spin on it. stop the steal. I mean, you know, we're kind of circling back around, but seriously. Um, they also made little wax candles everywhere that they put everywhere <laughs> um, to symbolize the returning of the light after the winter solstice. So like Christmas lights on everyone's fucking house. Uh, uh-huh. Ooh, wow. And they made cookies shaped like people. You're fucking kidding me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they made cookies shaped like people. Uh, you know, what What won't the Christians steal? Is anything sacred to them? I say, shame on Christians. Shame, shame, shame. Shame bell. Ooh, but okay, so the 25th of December was also an important day because that was the day of Sol Invictus or the Unconquered Sun. And uh, Pope Julius I 
and this is a matter of historical record, seriously just copy-pasted the story of baby Jesus into that part of Saturnalia as a tactic to replace the popular celebration, which actually had kind of outlived its welcome even in Roman times because they had moved on to Jupiter being the king of the gods. Mm. Saturn was the old god, but they just could not stop it. Yeah, I think I've read too that like historians think that like the historical figure Jesus was probably born in like August, like right. not even yeah, yeah, near yeah. December. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus was a Pisces. Yeah, it's I mean, it's really the thing where it's like Christians just wanted to ruin all the fun. So it's like they take all of the best parts of it and then take out like the fun shit. Yeah. Like all yeah, of the yeah. hedonism. And like no, oh, of because course, drinking was part of it. And it's like, of course, Christians and the fucking Pope isn't going to want to, like, swap places with his, like, altar boy. Right. Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, maybe Uncle Gaius was right. I think Uncle Gaius had a very strong point, and I am hardcore team. Hashtag stop the steal. Hashtag the Saturn stop the steal. Back in Saturnalia. <laughs> All right, oh, so um, one of my favorite things about this season that I'm definitely missing out on right now is great holiday cocktail parties. Mm. And yes, as I said, Saturnalia had a heavy, heavy element of drinking because what fun is it bossing around your boss and, uh, you know, being rude to everyone if you can't also have a few drinks while you're at it? So, well, yeah, I uh, mean, you got to warm yourself up before you do that. Oh, right, right. You know, you got to, you know, because you, you know, you got to put on a show. Yeah, you got to put little, on a show. A little liquid courage. So I thought this would be a great time to talk about something fun and witchy that you can do at home that just might help you capture some of that missing holiday magic. So, of course, we're going to be talking about cocktail potions or I guess to be a little more accurate, we're going to be talking about how cocktails are already a kind of ceremony because you do it at specific times, like cocktail hour. You have specific vessels for specific drinks. There's a whole variety of specialty equipment. And to top it all off, some of the best flavors and additions to the drinks you already love have potent magical properties. Yeah, this is I mean, I really think this is just such a great way to like witchy up other aspects of your life, because sometimes it's like, yeah, sitting down and doing like a full spell is awesome. But like your witchiness doesn't like begin and end at your altar. Right. So so for this, uh, I'm specifically going to be talking a lot about infusing your own liquors to use as bases for these cocktails. So Shannon, one of the things I wanted to kind of throw in here was, do you remember when we used to fuck around with this when we lived on Far West and we would just put random stuff in vodka bottles? Oh, yeah. What I remember my favorite was when we made like the spicy vodka and we put it in to like hot chocolate. It was spicy coffee vodka. And yeah, oh, we put yeah. it in hot chocolates. It was so good. So oh, um, starting... all that to say, yes. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was good. Um, so it and it's not hard to do. And you no, actually no. you don't need the best alcohol to be doing this, you know? No. Go for like a mid or like you know, like upper bottom shelf, if that's a yeah. thing. And this is great because you don't actually like need any like special stuff. You know, you can literally just like pop it in the bottle. Right, right, right. And so that I really wanted to focus on accessibility uh, uh, with the herbs that I'm choosing and uh, the alcohols that I'm choosing. So it's really something that I think anyone who enjoys a good drink who's out there listening should be able to pull off at home. Um, so I'm starting with a cinnamon chamomile bourbon to oh, use God. in our first cocktail potion. Uh, the Yule Log, uh, which is named for the cinnamon stick you're going to use at the end to garnish it. So most of this can be done right in your actual bottle of bourbon. And again, it doesn't have to be fancy. So after removing about a cup or a cup and a half to make room for your herbs, you're going to add three or four cinnamon sticks. I mean, if you've got good, strong cinnamon, you know, three 
is fine. But if you have maybe some musty cinnamon from the back of your cabinet, you know, maybe four or five um, and roughly an ounce of chamomile flowers, then top it back off with the whiskey you've put aside. And then, you know, if there's some left over, which there will be. Have a cheeky little shot. Mm, or m- make a toddy if you've got the chamomile out. I mean, you know, actually hold that thought because okay. this this drink is actually a lot like a hot toddy. So I'm Ooh. just going to be a little transparent here. But, you know, have a cheeky little shot. Also, you know, you don't have to wait two weeks. You could just have a hot toddy. Shannon is totally right. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I do recommend, yeah, letting it hang out somewhere for at least two weeks prior to drinking and this is also going to be a great time to boost the magical properties so you can have this hanging out on your altar during this time and you can also give it a little bit of a boost by aging it over a tarot card that signifies your intention for the spell so i like the king of cups uh, not only because of the symbolic tie between cups and drinking, but because it represents like a mastery over your emotions. And while we like to drink and have a good time, you know, you don't you don't want to go off the deep end. So kind of staying in control of your emotional state is always a good thing, especially oh, totally. during this probably the most hectic time of the year in a normal year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, the cinnamon also has a role to play here on the magical side of things. So it's seen as a purifying agent against negative energy. And it also has the added bonus of being heavily associated with attracting money, which is a great thing to be thinking about during practical Capricorn season. So, you know, Yule takes place partially in Capricorn season. Yeah. Um, And the chamomile is going to help balance out all of the heavy fire energy in this infusion that are coming from both the cinnamon and the whiskey with soothing energy that will keep tempers in check. So this mm-hmm. will also help our winter insomniacs get a little sleep. Because yeah, and it's it's delicious too. I think chamomile is really like underrated too for how tasty it is. Yeah, it's so sweet. You know, they call it the apple of the ground in some languages. Oh, I love that. Which is different than like the French pomme de terre, which is potato. Because yeah. uh, it's so sweet and delicious. Though. I love that. Um, so chamomile also has associations with prosperity and attracting wealth. Hello. So down to it, though, for this drink, I recommend using your favorite coffee or tea mug as this is going to be have the best energy. You know, it's like you everyone has one. I know everyone has one. It's your favorite coffee mug or tea mug. Um, so fill it halfway with boiling water and steep one bag of your favorite black tea, preferably a plain unflavored one with some strength to it, like an Assam or a breakfast blend If you really want to go for something like sweet and rich, you could do a Chinese black tea. Mm. Uh, You can add two shots of your infused bourbon and the juice of about a quarter of a lemon. And then stir in one teaspoon of honey, top it off with more hot water if there's room, and finish with one cinnamon stick right in there, right in the cup. And there you have it, the Yule Log. Uh, I love that. And, you know, I could imagine, too, if you wanted to, like, make it as, like, a nightcap, instead of doing it with a black tea, you could do it with, like, a chamomile tea and then just really amp up that chamomile energy. Oh, for sure. And that would also be nice with a little echinacea tea. Ooh, if it's, oh, my God, if it's, yes. if it's flu season. Uh, cold and flu season. I mean, I have a great echinacea tea but i'm also thinking anything with like slippery elm would also be really good in this because that cinnamon really helps like fire up your uh your body's immune systems too ginger tea would be good here as well or if you have some like ginger honey like ginger Mm -hmm. honey tea like from the korean supermarket it's like can anybody tell that nick and i drink a lot of tea (laughs) yeah yeah. okay (laughs) um so actually 
moving on to the next cocktail, though, I think you're going to like this one a lot as well. Um, I'm using my personal favorite cocktail as the basis. Base is <laughs> uh, for our next cocktail potion, the Saturnalia Spritzer. So it comes as no surprise to any of you that I'm a bit of a basic bitch and I love a gin and soda. I mean, and I also am obsessed with gin. It's like a liquor that tastes like flowers. Yes, please. Exactly. Yes, please. So for our version, we're going to be using the same procedure as per before to infuse a bottle of gin with four to five good sized stems of rosemary. And so one point that I did forget to make earlier is that we're talking about a 750 milliliter bottle. Oh yeah, that's a good note. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So about the size of a wine bottle. And so with the rosemary, I would say, you know, for a thick stemmed piece, maybe like, six or seven inches in length but four to five good size stems around that size and you can actually roast it off a little bit under your broiler like not charred like not even like browned but just to bring out those oils right before you put it in the bottle and that'll be a good way to get the flavor of it yeah you can also just like like literally slap them in a nonstick pan for a couple of like seconds on each side on the stove right, top. Right, if right. That's easier. Um, so four to five good sized stems of rosemary activated with heat. If you want to take the time and I do recommend taking the time to do it. Uh, half an ounce of good quality lavender. So we were actually doing a little bit of a chat about this before the thing. Um, so Sir Latab, like a gourmet store, uh, a French supermarket would have this. Um, some herbalists will have this. I think people who are maybe not in a major city center would probably be better buying some culinary lavender online. You can find it. it yeah. you know, it's great for topping off cakes and that kind of thing. You want to get culinary lavender, though, because you are going to be drinking it. Uh, and so. also, I just realized, too, there's a really great tea shop that sells like loose leaf teas and ingredients in the uh in the market near me and they often have things like lavender and like baby roses and chamomile flowers and so if you have a place to buy tea in bulk you can also get stuff at a place like that thank you shannon uh because yes uh anywhere that's gonna sell loose leaf tea probably has some plain chamomile probably has some plain lavender it because those probably has plain rose hips because those are great things that people love to add into their teas even. Um, so half an ounce of good quality lavender and a few slivers of orange peel to taste. I like the orange peel at the end here. You really don't have to, but it will make the gin taste very good. So gin is actually already very strongly flavored with juniper berries, which have the magical properties of protecting you against bad magic purification again and uh, protecting from evil spirits being something that actually crosses cultural and geographic boundaries so native americans believed that juniper berries protected you from evil spirits as well as european and asian peoples so it could be good in an exorcism is what i'm hearing they've come to this conclusion (laughs) separately though uh, I love which is that. important to note. Uh, so rosemary has masculine energy and is ruled by the sun. So it's a no brainer to be working with these qualities during the time of year when we've made it through the darkness of winter and the sun and his power are coming back into our lives. Uh, lavender it should be noted, also has a direct association with the god Saturn. And since this is his spritzer, it really just makes sense. So uh, I, it also has the added bonus of promoting peace and love, which is so central to all of the midwinter celebrations and very, very welcome in this shit show of a year that we call 2020. So um, orange peel also has strong solar ties 
and fire energy. It's meant to lift the spirits and raise your vibrational frequency, which I think is the noblest goal of any cocktail. Wouldn't you agree, Shannon? Oh, definitely. Lifting your spirits, raising your vibrational level. You know, it's like, what more could you ask for? So um, aging on your altar again over the King of Cups. We don't want this gen to have you crying over the stairs. Uh, about two weeks for the best results. You can make a filter over the lid of both of these using a rubber band and a cheesecloth. Um, I was also saying uh, that you could add butterfly pea to this gen since it doesn't have a very strong flavor and use it to make a color-changing French 75. So that's like a fun alternate cocktail that you can uh, fuck around with at home if you want to try that. It's really so pretty, too, because like basically it's activated by um, acids. So it's like that's the lemon juice in it makes it change from this kind of like dark purpley to like a really pretty like fuchsia pink. It's so fun to watch. It's, and it yeah, really gorgeous. does feel like magic. So, you know, bring in the uh, the cocktail potions theme home. Um, but OK, so in for this spritzer, I recommend a wine glass. You can rim it with lavender sugar because you might have some left over and it's really easy to make lavender sugar to rim things with three ounces over ice and then top with plain soda water. And there you have your Saturnalia spritzer. That sounds so delicious. Oh, yeah. Yo, uh, we pulled out all the stops to develop these recipes with magical qualities and flavor, both in the forefront of coming up with it. So I'm very like, I'm so impressed, Nick. I mean, the Yule Log, I, I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I genuinely drink hot toddies like all the time this time of year. And oh, so yeah. when you first started reading about it, like my mouth watered. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Um, so this is like a, the Nick heaviest episode that's ever existed. I know. I love it. <laughs> this is the Nick heaviest episode so far because we, we've been trading off the tarot scopes too and questionable witchy practices. So I just kind of ended up here. Um, but so questionable witchy practices is taking a, a little break this week. And we're doing, we're talking about something that I'm calling sus spirituality this week and next week. So uh, uh, it's like something that I saw. It's not even, you know, it's not a practice. It's not a questionable witchy practice. It's just something that was super fucking sus. Uh, so I saw this thing that was uh, this really crazy conspiracy theory that Trump, Donald, Donald J. Trump, the uh, former, the soon-to-be ex-president of the United States, uh, uh, using like increasing the number of executions to do blood magic to steal the election, and um, yeah, it, it's nuts. Yeah, so, it's really insane. <laughs> it's really insane. Also, you know, we can't give the orange baby man the credit for coming up with something that clever. Uh, I think they also accused President Taft of doing it. That was their, like, proof that that's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like anybody who has watched anything in the last four years should realize that this man is not fucking smart enough to do that. But right. Also, like, I think it was great that you and I were kind of talking about how this being, like, a really prime example of, like, the bad crossover that has started happening more within like the new age community and like the super alt-right QAnon type groups. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's important to say like those kinds of people have fully integrated like Christian spaces at this point in America. And I personally would hate to see them infiltrate the the pagan and wiccan spaces in america yeah because they're very much in sort of the new age yogi era area already which has a lot of overlap i mean in particular it's like if you think about things like all of the like 5g shit i was hearing uh -huh. from like some astrologers that i generally respect really well but they were saying 
you know, that 5G was causing fucking COVID or like vaccines being like a plot by the government. It's like those things that you hear in the new age community, you should really uh, think about who else is saying them. Because if you're hearing something from the new age community that Alex Jones would like ascribe to, you probably should not be talking to that person anymore. Right. So, you know, everyone out there, be careful. Be careful. Information is powerful. That's like one of the main tenets of witchcraft. Uh, Yeah. And I just want to add like a quick shout out. If you are interested in learning more about this sort of like creepy overreach of like the QAnon conspiracy theory world, um, Kumbaya Confessional is a great podcast and they have like an episode specifically about this, but they also kind of get into some of like the grosser stuff that happens in the new age community. Like, you know, when you think about like the sexy Yogi man who is like delivering all of his like hot little ladies, you know, that mm, type of, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. type of ickiness. Yeah. Kumbaya confessionals is really like a great podcast. If you want to like get ragey and then also like be informed because that's so- important. You know, it's like me and Shannon always are saying, it's cool to be into witchcraft, but it's not cool to join a cult. Exactly. We don't do cults, man. We don't do cults, man. So that brings us to the tarot scope. And I, you know, I feel like I'm the person that's sending someone home on Great British Baking Show right now, because this was (laughs) not a fun one to do. But, uh, the Terrascope this week is for our Scorpio friends out there. And you are our friends. We love you. But it's the Five of Pentacles in the upright position, which would indicate financial loss, poverty, hard times, isolation, a bruised ego, or failure. Um, so... With that being said, that's like Scorpio's biz, though, is death and rebirth, you know, being reborn, more powerful, more secretive, more Scorpio than ever before. So, you know, maybe this is just maybe this is just a tower moment for you. Yeah. And I think, too, sometimes it's interesting to think about the Five of Pentacles as also like highlighting maybe like a a poverty mindset that you have where you're just focusing on like all of the stuff that you don't have and all of the stuff that's going wrong. And this could also be like an invitation to maybe like shift your energy into like looking at what you do have. And even if it's like smaller and significant, you know, like expressing gratitude Um, again, not that institutional poverty is something that is anybody's individual fault, but I, I know I have definitely been guilty of in the past getting into this cycle where all I do is like focus on the things that I don't have, um, you know, or being afraid of like losing what I do have. It might be also a reminder going into Capricorn season as we are to keep things like that in mind. Yeah. Like you said, you know, it's like, so but it it you know it's not it's not the it's not the most positive card and uh, I I would say you know it's kind of a uh, the ickiest card I ever had to do a taroscope for it was like mm, I'm so- yeah sorry sorry about that you guys no when I saw that I was just like oh oh that's so, what we're doing <laughs> uh, but that again you know that's Scorpio Scorpio it really has that Phoenix energy too though so like yeah. whatever the whatever they're going through and it seems like they are going through something with this one they, they're the ones that always come back like a phoenix so yeah and i mean it could also be related to like the upcoming saturn jupiter conjunct where we're literally mm. ending a 200 year phase in earth and moving into a new phase in air so this is like a really big tower moment i think for a lot of people as well right. so it's like scorpios you're also not alone in this. this is this is also like a huge spoiler for the next episode because we keep talking about like fe- the phoenix the tower moment uh, yeah you know, i don't know i don't know uh, maybe maybe we'll more find to out come. <laughs> more to come to be continued okay yeah. but that does i think bring us to the bitter end shannon it does yeah um we love you guys We're getting, I think, close to the end of the year. I think this episode is going to air before the end of 2020, to which I say good fucking riddance. The next one we're recording is actually coming out on January 1st. Yeah, so we're, uh, we love you guys a lot. 
We do. We're really grateful for all of you that have been like tuning in. Although um, I, speaking of being grateful, no one mailed us any rubies. Yeah, I was a little disappointed no one even in you guys. Asked what our PO box was? Like, I would happily give you a PO box if you wanted to mail us a bag of rubies, but like y'all just didn't step up in that way. Y'all just didn't even ask. Didn't even so... ask if we had one. Um, <laughs> but... So where can where can they email us? Yeah, y'all can email us at wandsandfrondspod at gmail.com. And of course, on our Instagram, we're at wandsandfrondspod. And we'd really love to hear from you. In particular, we do want to do a live Q&A episode. And we need to know what y'all are interested in hearing about. You know, whether yeah, it's give about us some our... cues. Give yeah, us some cues it... for our A's. Is it our practice? Do you want us to like do a little bit of digging into a particular topic? Do you want to hear about us personally? I don't know. You let us know. Do you not? Just let us know. And if you don't have any cues, it'd be really neat if you could give us some stars where you listen to podcasts. Yes. Yes. Stars. All the stars. Five All stars. All the stars. Please. Five stars. Six stars and, if you can. And reviews too. I mean, we do have a handful of you know, people that have rated us on iTunes. But in particular, if you guys have the time, a review is really helpful because that is what helps like get us up on the charts and helps other people find the podcast. And again, it's like it's it feels also, it so just makes you silly, look but... super cool because you have really good taste in podcasts. It does. And then you get to be one of those people that's like, oh, Shannon and Nick, I've been listening to them since the beginning. Oh, I have proof. I left a review. OK, but. Right. What do we what do we say to all the bitches out there? To all the bitches, we say, blessed be bitches. Blessed be to all of the bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Uh,